0: recording here we go She's just telling us hi melissa and you are melissa let me let me see if i get this right basie
1: yep that's perfect
0: basie's correct all right yeah. we have sure. melissa basie here who is a psychologist operating out of alberta canada province of alberta is that right
1: that's right
0: why don't you take it away tell us a little bit about you and your practice and uh just about yourself
1: for sure. So I'm a registered psychologist, and I'm going into attachment coaching. So that's basically helping people heal the way they attach to other people, so that they can have more happy, fulfilling relationships.
0: How does uh, how does manifesting and law of attraction get into this? Because I know that you know this is something that you integrate into your practice, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. So the way I work manifestation in is first, we do some of the healing and we use some of the psychological tools that psychologists have to be able to help people shift and move. But it kind of falls, it kind of finishes right there. And it doesn't go into imagineering a a new type of future for oneself. And so that's where I use manifestation is let's heal the wounded younger parts, and then let's get you what you want. And that's where I tend to use the manifesting the most is trying to help people imagine what they want to get and then getting what they want to get.
0: So one of your areas of expertise is correct me if I'm wrong here. It's attachment theory. Yes. This is something that you use in your in your psychological practice.
1: Yes, that's right. What
0: what is attachment theory and how does that work exactly?
1: Yeah, so attachment theory is the way that we attach to others. So we have insecure attachment and secure attachment. And about 50% of the population falls under the secure category and about 50% falls under the insecure category. Then under insecure, we have two major ones called avoidant and anxious and then a little one that captures about 7% of the population, and that one's called disorganized, which is a little bit of avoidant and anxious put together. So the avoidant attachment is going to be somebody who's withdrawn, emotionally shut down, unable to share, unable to reach out when they are needing connection. And the anxious person is going to be needy, feeling desperate, chasing. And so you can see how with those dynamics, we can really use manifestation, especially with that needy, desperate feeling, anxious attachment style to get them to where they are then in a securely attached relationship. Did that make sense?
0: it does make sense yes and it's it's you know i don't have a psychology background but i do find this stuff interesting uh so we're talking a lot about in terms of uh, introverted people as well right i mean we hear this bantied about a lot introverts and extroverts uh does that fit in i mean when you said anxious person who has kind of anxiety about reaching out um you know for instance i mean you know the people that listen to my channel watch my channel are into specific people and manifesting x's back and things like that a lot of times you know i'll find clients who are who'll tell me you know tarkan i <clears throat> i got a text from them right or they contacted me i ran into them i didn't know what to do you know i said well did you ask them out did you you know did you text back did you respond but there's this fear of saying something wrong doing something wrong is that is that uh, i mean you know extroverted people i don't know if they have these kind of issues right what what do you think?
1: Hmm, I don't know. I don't know if that's an introvert extrovert issue. I think that that might be more of an issue of people saying like, should I text back? I don't know what to say because they're scared of messing it up. And I'm not sure if that's because they're shy and introverted or because they've had so many experiences with that specific person that have gone badly, that they just don't want to have it go badly again. What do you think?
0: yeah i think that's that's a big part of it and i think it's insecurity and i think that's specifically yeah. when we talk about an ex that they want back but sometimes there are people that they have an eye on they've never sometimes they've never even met them yeah right they'll say it's somebody that i'm i'm kind of obsessed with which is a, which is an interesting word for me to use obsession because and i know you touched about you touched on this a little bit when i saw other interviews with you um attachment and obsession and addiction kind of go hand in hand right so there's this mm-hmm. sort of I sometimes think that people are attached or obsessed with the idea of being attached or obsessed. In other words, what they really like is this feeling of something being unrequited or chasing something or having something being just out of reach, that there's something exciting about that. And when that thing suddenly comes into their, let's say into their world or into their reach, um, it's not as interesting to them somehow, I feel like.
1: Yeah, so oftentimes the reason that they become obsessed with people they don't know or obsessed with people who maybe aren't obsessed with them back is because they have had an experience with a primary caregiver. So oftentimes a parent where the parent doesn't give consistent love. And so that is what home is to them. That is what that feeling of familiarity is, is that really inconsistent way of receiving love. So they're chasing after that because it's what they're used to and they're recreating what they've experienced in the past with the intention of this time changing it and this time having it go the way that they want it to go. Because then that makes them feel like they have worth and value. So it's kind of um old dynamics playing out in the here and now in order to get self-worth but it's definitely the, not the right way to go about getting self-worth
0: yeah i would agree and i think validation seeking is is a big part of that isn't it yeah. it's the idea that you know and i tend to preach a lot about self-love and self-appreciation and you know i think people confuse that or they they tend to translate that to well if i don't if i don't have other people offering that to me Right if I don't have people proving to me that I'm lovable that I'm acceptable as a person then I don't really you know it's like I don't believe my own kind of inner dialogue about that right or I don't think that if only I think I'm great somehow it's not valid right
1: Yeah yeah exactly so it's going to be important for the person to figure out how to go inward and be able to give themselves that validation and be able to fill their own cup sure
0: absolutely so what how do they do that how do they start doing how does somebody who has lived let's say half a lifetime or 20 years or 30 years however long um Mm -hmm. how do they suddenly go inward because that can be a frightening proposition to people as well self-examination right
1: yeah for sure so it's going to be a slow process and I think that people need to be really gentle with themselves and remember that this stuff doesn't change overnight But a slow process, months and months long, maybe sometimes years long, of being able to connect inward, feel into the body, feel into the physical sensations that are coming up when they're like jonesing so hard for somebody, feeling into what that physically feels like in the body, and being with that really uncomfortable like neediness, and leaning into that feeling, being able to describe that feeling, noticing if it has a shape, size, color, if it's moving, just really being focused inward, if that makes sense.
0: So you're talking about really being present with that feeling, acknowledging it, and really feeling it out.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Which is interesting in, in, in terms of law of attraction. So much we hear about, don't do that, Right. I mean, a lot of coaches and teachers and gurus and whatever you want to call them, uh, uh, us, whatever, uh, will tell you, you know, ignore reality or, or at least give it as little attention uh, uh, as possible if that reality, if your current circumstances are not pleasing to you, you know, you want to sort of, you know, unhook your attention from that, unfocus from that or soften your focus on that. But you're saying, uh, I guess, from a psychological psychologist standpoint, you really want to get into those feelings, confront them.
1: Yeah. So, okay. If it's just rolling around in your head and it's like, well, then he said this and then she did that. And I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder what she's doing. I wonder what that we should not be doing. That's not going to manifest you anything except for more of that. And that is that I don't think any psychologist would agree. You want to be spending your time doing but going into the body feeling into the into the sensations comforting yourself the way you'd comfort a small child that's always going to be a manifestation powerhouse because you're going in and you're loving and honoring yourself so deeply and so like when you treat yourself with the same care that you would give a small child that's such self-love that we are going to then manifest and attract people being loving towards us. So really, that brings in what we're wanting. It calls it in when we're mindful and present with ourselves.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's, that's something that's not taught very often or people don't discuss self-love tends to be, you know, I get a lot of comments about, well, it's selfishness, it's self-centeredness, which have Mm -hmm. negative connotations, right? It has a negative connotation in our culture, I think, uh, to say, well, I want to love myself, I want to appreciate myself. But I always say to people, well, the person that you love, that you want, the specific person, whoever it is, I mean, they're worthy of love, but so are you, you're a person as well, right? It's kind of like, I think people want to love themselves but they don't know how to do it or that like i said there's a negative connotation so they want to externalize that that person is a stand-in for really how they want to feel about themselves ultimately mm-hmm.
1: yeah 100 percent. so we need to be really getting that kind of ideal version of the person that we want and hold our focus on that person and begin to treat ourselves the way that person we would hope that that person would treat us for sure
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it begins like that. This goes to uh, the idea of uh, everyone is you pushed out, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is very much
0: a Neville concept, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: How do you approach that from a psychologist standpoint, that idea of everyone is pushed out? Uh, It would be interesting to hear you, somebody in that field, uh, uh, talk about what what you think that means.
1: Yeah, for sure. So everybody is going to be treating us the way that we treat ourselves. So it might not be like a perfect mirror. Like if you take somebody who has some narcissism, so say let's just take a narcissist. I think that term is really overused, but because only about 6% of the population is actually a narcissist. Let's just take a true narcissist. A true narcissist is probably going to attract somebody who's fawning. Do you know what fawning means? Yeah.
0: Yes, like like, like we say, obsessing almost over them, right? But showering them with love and affection, attention.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like bending to their will when they want something, you do it. Never really um, asserting any kind of opinions or desires of your own. Exactly. So a narcissist and somebody who's fawning are going to be a perfect match for each other. Even though they're acting completely different, you'd say, well, that's not a mirror. It is a mirror because narcissism and fawning both come from a lack of self-love and so those two people are going to be a perfect reflection of each other the narcissist needs somebody who fawns and the fawner needs somebody who has narcissistic tendencies
0: interesting so so a narcissist is almost kind of the type of person we were talking about who needs that external validation all the time
1: I'm thinking more of like a true narcissist who has like an actual personality disorder. The type of person that we're talking about, the person who needs validation all the time, they would also fall under the category of fawning as well. Um, Just kind of needing that external validation, which is why they go into people-pleasing mode all the time, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, I guess it does make sense because they want that approval. So in other words, if I do everything you want me to do, I will gain your approval and your love. And then I can feel good about myself. I, it's a permission slip, right? This is something that uh, now I don't know if that term. I think that comes from Bashar. Now we're gonna get. I want to get into some of these these characters a little bit because I know I've heard you talk about Abraham and channeling and Neville and all that stuff, and I think you had some great things to say. But I don't know if you're familiar with Bashar and Daryl Anka. Yeah. That's another. So that's uh, that's you know Bashar tends to use the term permission slip a lot, right? I'm, mm. You're giving yourself a permission slip to to do this, to feel a certain way, to accomplish something. And that sounds like a sort of a permission slip to love yourself. To, it's sort of like gaining that person's permission to say, oh, I can now say that I, I have worth, I have value as a person, right? The fawning mm-hmm. type. I mean.
1: Yeah, getting somebody else to, to fill up their cup and to fill up their self-worth quota for sure. Yeah. What were you going to say?
0: How did you get into law of attraction, you personally? Now this is, you know, we don't meet meet a lot of psychologists probably who who will at least openly admit that they're into this kind of stuff, right?
1: I know, right? Um, I heard Abraham Hicks on YouTube, and I was like, that's some really good cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's a type of therapy that us psychologists do, and um, it was all about you know shifting your mindset into raising your vibration. And I wasn't super in the know about what that meant exactly. But this was back in like 2015. And um, basically, I just kept hearing that if you think better thoughts, you get into a more receptive state, you can call things into your life that you want. And that made such sense to me. Um, So I thought that she was a, a psychologist or something. And then I learned that she was actually channeling spirit guides or spirits and i was a little taken aback at first
0: yeah a group of entities
1: (laughs) a group of entities (laughs) yes um i i wasn't sure at first but i didn't even care i mean i loved the message so much so i started integrating it into my practice and as an attachment based therapist i have a lot of people coming in wanting to manifest a relation they don't say it like that They come in with broken relationships and they are wanting more happy, harmonious relationships. And so I've been able to learn a lot about Neville Goddard and help my clients with Neville Goddard techniques, um, getting the things that they want, because I found we could heal the attachment style with my clients, but it just stopped there. It didn't go into like, what's next now? What are we going to get you?
0: Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you, you supplement your practice with the Neville stuff. And so, we go through the the attachment stuff, and then once that's kind of, I don't know how long that process takes. I'm sure it's different for every every patient that you have. But then from that, then you kind of go, okay, we've cleared some of that out. Now, what do you want? Where do you want, want to go forward? That's where Neville comes in and, and the Law of Attraction practice comes in.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so then we just focus on that. We focused on, we focus on staying in the wish fulfilled, living in the end. And, and then I use psychology actually to help people live in the end because you can't live in the end without a regulated nervous system. So that's the next thing that we focus on. So we get them healed from their attachment trauma. We get them manifesting, imagining, visualizing, scripting, But when they struggle to live in the end, we have to do work around the nervous system and get that nervous system into a nice, calm state. Because if it's in high anxiety or feeling down and depressed, it's going to be manifesting opposites of what what my clients are looking for.
0: How do you accomplish that?
1: Yeah. So with the nervous system, it's kind of like what I was telling you before. It's about being really aware of where your nervous system is activated. So feeling into the physical body you can really feel like if you've got tightness in your chest you probably have some anxiety if you have knots in your stomach you probably have some anxiety or maybe a little bit of feeling down maybe we could call it feeling depressed um but feeling the physical sensations in the body is going to be the first step in identifying what exactly is going on so that we can make those adjustments and once we figure out what the physical body is telling us we go in, we get that information, and then we work with it according to the individual in front of me and what they've got going on in their lives that is dysregulating their nervous system.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a lot of what Abraham talks about. A lot of coaches talk about the, the idea of, the, of belief systems, right? Having limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. what I understand from that perspective is that a belief, at least according to Abraham Hicks... Um, is a a chronic thought, something you've thought for so long over and over again that it becomes reality to you. It becomes your personal reality. You know, for instance, things are never work out for me, or, you know, when's the other shoe gonna drop? Or uh, money is the root of all evil, or things like this, right? Love is, love is difficult, right? So I know that, you know, oftentimes those kinds of ideas do come out of observing your parents or the adults. Uh, in your life when you're a child, their relationships, right? Um, yeah. How much of that do you find? I mean, that, that probably digs into your practice, uh, uh, you know, in terms of figuring out who the primary caregivers, what their relationships were like with one another as well, right?
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely having to dig into belief systems when we're doing manifesting, absolutely. And then picking that apart. So sometimes a belief system can be let go of pretty easily if it doesn't have strong roots that are hooked into various Stories from the past, but sometimes it's hooked into not just one story from the past, but multiple stories from the past, and so it's really important to go back and look at that with adult eyes. Um, because often we're remembering things from the age that we experienced it, and so we don't really think about the fact that our memories, like a memory from when you were nine years old, is like a nine year old's take on it, not. Not our age right now. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: you're trying to interpret ideas that you adopted from a child's mind, from a child's perspective
1: yeah. as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to kind of undo the belief systems that were woven in from those young ages. So oftentimes, just going back as the adult, looking at what happened through adult eyes and going back and comforting the younger child self and so that's all done through a visualization i think that now ne- neville would call this revision um i call it yes. inner child work
0: yeah, yeah. But, and revision that term has a lot of weight to it too people tend to become confused about what i can go back and change the past but i tend to look at it in terms of you can go back and change your current perspective on the past it's almost like how we react to situations in life it's our choice right if something yeah. happens um, that that is unwanted, quote unquote negative. We can now, you know, at least you know, blow our top, or 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 sit around all day and lament about that, or we can adopt a different way of reacting. So it's almost like reacting uh, to that childhood. I don't know if you want to call it trauma or whatever happened in, in childhood from the perspective of who you are now, right? Which is interesting.
1: Yeah, exactly. And bringing that wisdom and that wise judgment into this scenario can help rewire those those underlying beliefs that are stopping us from manifesting what we want
0: now i've often played around with the idea of, of one of the best ways to get rid not to get rid of a, a limiting belief system or an old belief that you're carrying around is to introduce a new belief on top of that it's almost like the idea and i think this comes from abraham as well the idea that you sort of dampen that down a little bit and as you practice the new belief Um, That becomes the belief that dominates. Does that kind of tie into your practice or how you would approach it?
1: I find that a hard thing to do to totally pad over a belief. What, what, Do you have an example of when you've been able to do that, that it worked for you?
0: Well, um, I'm just, I'm talking about affirmations and things like that, right? So the idea being that, you know, if I have an idea, let's say around, around the idea of relationships and love, they never work out for me, I'm not good enough, that I begin to practice the belief of that I am good enough, right? That there are examples of relationships working out even in my experience, and it could be friendships, it could be work relationships, it could be family relationships, right? So the umbrella of relationships is that, is is to really shift focus away from where things aren't working out and put the focus squarely on where things are and have been working out because i think it's always kind of a 50/50 thing in life right
1: yeah i would what i would do is dig into like why does a person think that they aren't good enough like what kinds of things happen to them whether they whether it was in school or family of origin issues I would want to hear about the various stories that happened to them when they started to feel not good enough. And then again, bring that kind of wisdom through their current day eyes into that situation. Um, I think without kind of reworking some of that past trauma, it's so hard to, to change a belief. It's so hard to pivot. What do you think?
0: Well, it's, yeah, I, th- I think that the belief will always be there. And I think that's that's maybe that's yeah. what you're talking about is really just getting rid of it, right? Rather than making it less prominent and making a, a newer belief more prominent. But I suppose that's, yeah. I guess in my personal experience, you know, I've I've tried that in situations where I've seen it work for a while. And then at some point, the belief bubbles back to the surface, right? Yeah. So it sounds like your approach is much more of a, let's get in there with our tools, right? <laughs> let's get into, yeah. into the plumbing system and, and rip all that out. Yeah. Um, that can seem daunting to people though, right? I mean, is it is it something that can take years to do? And uh, you know, I know I get this a lot from clients. Like, How long is it going to take? I don't want it to take any longer. So the idea of going through the psychological process can seem a little daunting to people, right?
1: Yeah. Um, in my program, I have people get through it in two months. And I would say that that's a good amount of time to... If you are really, really serious about manifesting, whatever it is that you're wanting to manifest, if you're still on the fence and you have you're kind of half in half out, then it's going to take longer. But I think that the reason that people get stuck with manifesting is because they haven't gotten totally clear on what they want or they're clear on it. So, for example, they want to get their ex back, but they can't get over some of the things their ex did. Wow. Right. If you, if you don't let go of some of those things, if you don't let go of all of those things, you're not going to manifest your X So You have to decide, are you going to let go of that stuff? If you're going to let go of that stuff, we can get you through in like two months. If you're not going to let go of that stuff, it's going to take longer.
0: So not just what do you want, but how badly do you want it? Do you want it badly enough to let go of those things, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. How do you approach it with your clients?
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, my, my approach is really to, to, To get down to the nitty-gritty of what they want uh peeling away the onion layers because i think and this comes from abraham too and i believe this that everything we want is because we think we will feel a certain way when we have it right yeah we're really after a feeling state or a state of mind or a state of being but we just use these external forces circumstances people as representations as symbols for that state of being because we don't know how to translate that and with our minds any other way for ourselves right so in other words you know i want to feel passion i want to feel excitement i want to feel adventure oh, well, with this person, I can have that. Or if I have a million dollars, I can have that. Or if I have that flashy car, then people will approve of me. and I'll have that feeling that I'm after. So I think that's why the way I approach it is to, is to get down to, well, what is it you really want in terms of how you want to feel that you think having mm-hmm. this situation is going to accomplish for you. But I think that you can then look at how you already are able to achieve that feeling state in your life now without that circumstance having to be there. And then once you do that, that circumstance will come in, but not just that one, but all the other circumstances that are a match to that for you, right? Yeah. That represent that feeling state to you.
1: Mm-hmm. So good. That's so good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you approve.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tuning into the feeling that they're after. That's that's exactly it. That's exactly right. If yeah, from my Yeah.
0: One of the things I love about Abraham, and we can get into Abraham now because I know that you, you know, I've seen yep. you speak about Abraham and you're really into Abraham. Yep. And I get, I get a lot of, you know, when I first started the channel, I got a lot of people that kind of coming in like, well, that's not Neville or that's, you know, that's, I only want to hear about Neville. And I think people have this kind of attachment again to certain teachers or coaches or teaching styles. To me, it's all the same. It's just a different style of, of talking about it or looking at it. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, the one thing I would say about Abraham, which I love Abraham for so many reasons, but on this point, I don't agree, is that Abraham says that we co-create with others and that everybody has free will. And Neville would not agree with that. Neville would say that nobody has free will in our reality. Our reality is ours alone. And I, I would tend to agree with Neville's perspective on reality. What about you?
0: yeah i tend to agree with that idea i think the, the idea of free will tends to be sort of a negating idea at, at least for me you know when people go especially when it comes to manifesting relationships people tend to say well what about that person's free will and i've said this in my videos before it's like well no it's not about their free will now this is where we can get into quantum kind of stuff and multiple realities and multiple versions of people you know i always i believe in that as well and i think that as we progress uh, you know scientifically and just our knowledge as a species in general we have new ways of talking about the same subject right so this quantum thing and parallel reality thing is something that maybe even neville was thinking about maybe even abraham is touching on but we don't have they didn't have the terminology yet or you know that was you know as as science progresses as as people research this stuff and new theories come to the fore and new ideas that we're now in a unique position to talk about that stuff and to integrate those ideas i think um so i my, my view on that is that uh, people are there are many different versions of people and if you are corresponding to one version of that person that's the version of them that you're going to attract uh, you know over and over again so yeah. it does begin with you right if if life is a mirror you know it's it's the old saying of you don't show up to a mirror frowning and expect the reflection to smile back at you right you have to smile first, right? That's a, that's a simple example, but that's kind of how, how I interpret even the everyone is you pushed out thing. I think it's about you have to first become the version that you prefer to see in the world, and then you'll see the people corresponding to that. And it's not a matter of free will or not free will, I think. It's a matter of just tapping into that frequency that they're already emanating on some level.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, we're definitely on the same page there.
0: Good. Excellent. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, from a coaching perspective, having speaking to a, a trained psychologist can be a little intimidated. Like, oh, what's he going to say about this and what I, <laughs> but you are very unique in that sense. And, and I know, um, you know, do you find a lot of pushback from your community, uh, from, from other psychologists, people in your field to the ideas that you use integrate into your practice?
1: I don't talk about it very much with other psychologists. I talk about it. I I've definitely consulted with other psychologists around me transitioning into a coaching business and I tell them why I'm doing it and they're like, "Oh, good for you. Less competition." So, they Why is
0: that? Why why do you want to transition into a coaching practice? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's so that I can be using manifesting techniques and spirituality in a really solid way. Currently in my practice, I get people to sign an informed consent and basically they're saying, I understand Melissa's bringing spirituality into psychology. I understand that some of the spiritual principles aren't necessarily evidence-based, but I'm choosing to go this route of therapy anyways. And I get them to sign off on it because I don't want to get in trouble for, you know, slipping in stuff, uh, spiritual as a psychologist, I'm required to practice in an evidence-based way. So if I'm doing anything outside of my requirements, I have to be really clear and upfront with it, which I am. Um, but I just want to go into the space where people know what they're getting I get to be me fully me and really express my spiritual self in the way that I help people because I think that my results with people are going to be much stronger
0: you have more freedom that way don't you exactly yeah that's interesting Mm -hmm. so let's let's go back a little bit to you discovering this stuff Neville Abraham what was the aha moment what was the moment you said oh first of all this is great but I can integrate this into my practice here. This can be useful.
1: Oh, I think the aha moment was really just realizing that if I change my thoughts, I can actually change my physical reality. i had never heard that before that my thinking could actually impact my physical reality. And so I started practicing it and getting evidence of it. And that's, and I started channeling myself And so that's when I started to get really into it. And I started really believing it. My psychic abilities turned on. I was able to like tune into what other people were thinking and and doing. And it was all really a magical time. Everything changed in 2015 when I found Abraham. And that was when I was becoming a psychologist. So I just kind of started... um, integrating it in under the term positive psychology, because Abraham Hicks sounds a lot like positive psychologists. Um, So I've always been trying to fit law of, it was law of attraction back then. Now I'm more into law of assumption, but I've always been trying to fit it under the umbrella of psychology. And I think I've done a really good job. I think everything I've done You can't, unless people have signed away saying that they understand we're doing purely spiritual stuff, everything can be under the, um, evidence-based umbrella for in one way or another, like you were saying, like quantum physics and stuff like that too, um, Does that answer your question?
0: Yes, it does. And I I want I, you know, I you mentioned that you started channeling. I wanted to get back to to that, but I wanted you to finish your thought first. You you, you're talking about channeling actually the way that Abraham is channeled. Is that what you meant?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I got a book called Oh, yeah, go ahead.
0: That's very interesting. No, no, please talk more about that.
1: Yeah, I got a book called Opening to Channel by Sinea Roman. And that book, it actually is a five part series, it has a bunch of other um, teachings in that five part series, but the one opening to channel is what taught me how to tune into my own inner wisdom and tune into my own spirit guides. So every morning I would be like on my voice recorder asking questions and then allowing the answers to come out. And I've also done it through automatic writing. I also did it through tarot cards for a while, but I'm pretty over tarot cards now at this point, just because the tarot cards are only telling me what I've got going on in my own vibration,
0: which at any given moment.
1: Yeah. It can be helpful to, because we don't always see what's going on for ourselves. We have blind spots for ourselves. So it's, so tarot cards can be interesting in that way and be like, oh, I, I didn't realize I was thinking that, but it's clearly right here. And I, I resonate with that. So they, they can be helpful, but not in the way that I thought that they would predict the future before. Now I can predict the future based on what I'm focused on.
0: Well that and also I don't think the future is written in stone either and also I think the astrology and the tarot which I find interesting and I have dabbled in that I used to be much more into that myself Um, and I seem to be very good at it people think I'm good at it it's a nice bar trick Mm -hmm. that people like to you know but (laughs) but I you know when I was exploring that stuff there was too much reliance on there's some external authoritative force that is that understands What's going on, or which direction I should be heading in, or, you know, in other words, I don't have a lot of agency in this, in this uh, situation here, this life situation, right? But mm-hmm. I tend to think of it differently a little bit now that we're, it's, it's a way, a medium that we can use to tap into our higher selves. Now, the yeah. idea of this, the complete self, right? The idea that the ego self is just a fraction of that larger complete self, mm-hmm. that God force that we all sort of emanate from, right? It's, it's like, yes. uh, Reality being, you know, God looking at itself through infinite different perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. Um I find that very fascinating. So I think there's a way that we can utilize those kinds of things. But I try to discourage people from doing that in my coaching because I think they rely too on that too much. And there's the they set themselves up for disappointment where they go, well, the card said this and my horoscope said this today. So why isn't it happening? And I want to try to encourage them to rely more on their inner voice, right? Their inner yeah. guidance system, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And if they want to predict the future, they just need to look at what they're currently focused on, and that will tell them very clearly what their future will hold.
0: Which is what Abraham says. You know, if you want, if you want to know how you're doing, just look at what you're manifesting around you, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. But even what we're manifesting around us is old news, like what's coming about today is maybe weeks old, days old, maybe months old, or years old. Um, but what we're, what our brain is focused on, that's where our future is headed. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually did a video on this recently. Um, yeah. You know what you're, what you're looking at now is old news. You know, and I. I yeah. Really oh yeah, I saw it. that video. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's. I think that a lot of times I get that from people. Well, why I started feeling good. I started meditating. I started, you know, doing all these things and and focusing on what I want. And then this happened, right? This, this crappy thing happened. And why is that? Well, that's one way to explain it, but I think it's not just a way to explain it away, but I think really, it, there's something to it. The idea that physical reality is there's a time delay, right? There's a little bit of a, like if you're watching a live a football game or something like that, there's you know the action is just delayed just by a, a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So what you're doing now is kind of setting the tone for what is going to come in. In terms exactly. of your physical reality. Yeah, excellent. I love it. Yeah. Now, I want, I have, uh, you know, I wrote all these things down that I wanted to ask you, and I don't want this to be like a whole uh, question and answer kind of thing. But uh, I wanted to ask you just walk us briefly through a therapy session. Somebody comes to you, let's say it is somebody that says, you know what, um, I want to fix my relationships, or I want to, do people discover you on that level? Do they discover your services looking for manifesting services or, do they discover you as a psychologist and then you kind of let them know, well, I do this other thing. I incorporate these other, this other kind of practice into it.
1: I would say both. If it's a word of mouth client, they're going to know about the manifestation.
0: Okay.
1: Um, if they, yeah, it just kind of depends on how they hear about me. And I'm pretty careful of with the manifesting because the thing about manifesting is it can be really victim shaming as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when people, I, I once had a client say, like when I was telling her about Neville, she's like, I'm feeling so blamed right now. And I was just like, Oh shoot.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's not a, good reaction. <laughs> <laughs>
1: not a good reaction. They have to be ready for it. There has to be a level of emotional and mental resilience there that I can pick up on. Like that was an error in my judgment to share that with her, mm-hmm. um, because she wasn't ready for it. So it would have been a matter of um, a a more in-depth assessment to figure that out. But the way a therapy session goes is that somebody comes in and that's exactly what I do is an assessment to see where they're coming from, what their attachment history looks like with with their parents, with previous relationships begin to understand who they are as a person. How are they functioning in their day-to-day life currently? How regulated is their nervous system today? And what are their goals? Where do they want to be in a month, three months, 12 months from now? And then start to map that out. And depending on how self-aware the person is, we can introduce some Neville concepts but if they have no self-awareness it's just not appropriate to bring in manifesting and this is why i want to go into coaching because i want all my clients to be on board and ready to go with manifesting
0: yeah i love that so that's really the clientele you want to attract then isn't it the people that already have some kind of foundation in that
1: exactly exactly
0: well, that's how i look at it too <laughs> but right. i get different levels of people i get people approaching me like i just got into this a week ago you know i discovered your mm-hmm. channel or i discovered some other channel so th- there's different levels of having to really assess where is, where are they at with their with their knowledge level uh, on these topics because it can be a little overwhelming right people for sure i remember years ago discovering this and i thought oh this is a great way for me to get money or manifest things <laughs> But it's, it's a road that you don't easily walk off of. Once you're on it, it kind of takes you, you know, deep, it sucks you in deeper and deeper. You get to a point, you go, okay, well, I've done that now. I've gotten the material things. Well, what else is going on here, right? This mm-hmm. is very fascinating stuff. I mean, Abraham Hicks in particular. Now, we talked about the channeling. You do channeling. I saw you in another interview where you seemed a little bit skeptical about the channeling thing. but uh, or, or maybe I misinterpreted that. Yeah, I think, or maybe it was the interviewer who did it, who said it, but... Uh, oh,
1: I'm not skeptical of
0: it you're not skeptical about that at all okay so no. are you able when you channel
1: maybe I was skeptical when I first became a psychologist and I was like learning uh-huh. about channeling definitely I was skeptical then
0: that's what it was then okay okay yeah. so so uh you chant do you channel can you talk about who you channel what you channel now with, with Abraham and Bashar we have specific entities coming through is that is it like that for you
1: yeah, so I think it's just actually my guides and the guides that are meant for me at this current time. Um, I've had them named before by other channelers and even by myself, but I just uh I create my own reality, so I'm creating the name, I'm creating okay. the channeling experience, I'm creating the entity, right? So <sighs> It's, it doesn't hold, when I first found Abraham, I was channeling all the time and I still find it really regulating to my nervous system. So I still do it sometimes, but I do it now knowing the same as what I know about tarot cards. Like Mm -hmm. whatever I'm channeling, I'm bringing through based on the vibration and the state that I'm in. Right. So is it an external entity? I don't.
0: That's the big question.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I tend to think it is that tapping into that higher self that that, yeah. or if you want to call it, some people call it the higher self or the uh, the the uh, what's what's another term for it? I'm drawing a blank the right being. now. But inner being, that's what it's the inner self, the the higher self. I think it is that that sort of tapping into that source. I think that we all share, mm-hmm. right? I think all of life shares that source, and I think really just people like Esther Hicks uh, and Daryl Anka are able to sort of tap into it more more efficiently. And I think that's what they're really doing. I think it is a version of their higher self, right? But it's, it's, we have such separation thinking in our, you know, from our ego based minds that it's difficult for us to really think in terms of we are really all coming from the same source, right? There is no real separation between you and I or the objects in my room here or, or anything in the physical world that it's all just kind of a construct really, right? Um, and, I don't know if you're familiar with the seth material you might find this fascinating if you're not so abraham i mean esther hicks started with with that i think they actually went to a a seth session years ago and she was very skeptical about it it was her husband that that got her encouraged her to do it. <laughs> but yeah. uh you know but i think the idea of meditating and i meditate and i on and off with it but i've never had the experience of really something is trying to come through me right but I do find in moments of relaxation that I'm able to think more clearly and ideas pop out that I maybe were kind of pushed to the background because I had all this resistance or all this clutter and noise going on in my mind.
1: Yep. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, are you interested in becoming a channel? Uh,
0: I thought about it, but I think to me it's not something that I would seek out in terms of it being a specific practice, right? I think, like I said, I think I don't need to try to communicate with some entity because i think i i've learned over time to listen to my thoughts to listen to that other voice that's that's in there i think that's really what it is Mm -hmm. what the guidance is right and Mm -hmm. emotions and that's another thing i wanted to talk to you about the emotional guidance system because i know you talk about the nervous system and things like that because that's something that i pay a lot of attention to how am i feeling about a certain situation right Mm -hmm. what is that trying to tell me about where my thinking is right and the idea of of really moving yourself bit by bit up that ladder, rung by rung, right? Mm-hmm. That we're always really throughout the course of our day doing this anyway, right? Yeah. Um, it sounds like your practice might make you incorporate some of those ideas too. The, the, the listening to your emotional guidance system. This is a very much an Abraham Hicks concept, but. Uh, yeah,
1: you know what? It, moving up the emotional scale, moving up rung by rung, um, that really parallels how the nervous system works. So I'm just going to kind of nerd out on the nervous system for just a second. Please
0: do nerd out all you want.
1: Okay. <laughs> so we have a very long nerve. It's the longest nerve in our body called the vagus nerve. And it goes from the base of our brain down to the base of our spine. And it hits everything along the way. Our heart, liver, lungs, everything. It's connected to everything. And based on where this vagus nerve is activated is the state that we're in. So when the vagus nerve is activated up here around the throat area, we're gonna be in a calm, cool, connected state where we are socially connected, where we are connected to self, where things are just generally feeling good. When we are in kind of the mid chest area, that's an anxious state. And when we're down at the base of our spine, that's gonna be a down and depressed state. So it's really interesting, the Abraham stuff about working your way up the ladder, because we need to do that with our nervous system as well. We need to always be kind of shooting to get back to that calm, connected place up here. It literally
0: does move that way, up and down like this. It does. The vagus nerve, you said?
1: The vagus nerve. The
0: vagus nerve. So it's kind of like a, the main highway. Is that is that a, a good exactly. way to?
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> so all yeah. these little roads and everything that branches off the main highway. There's one oh, I never knew that. That's very interesting. Yeah. So uh, that's um, that's how. Do, so I mean, this is a, this is an idea that I hear a lot. You know, I had this uh, not an incident, but I was hanging with some friends a while back, and some one of them said, you know, I had a very bad day today. And then another friend said to them, well, did you have a bad day or did one bad thing happen that you kept rolling over and over again in your mind, mm-hmm. right? And so you translated to my whole day was bad. I mean, did only bad things happen to you all day long, right? So this is kind of the, you know, I think we get stuck on that rung, right? We get stuck yep. on the, I had a shady day rung, right? And now my whole day is gone and it's ruined and my, oh, and then the week and then this month sucked and then this year was terrible, right? Right so that uh, that we really have to catch ourselves self-awareness is a big part of that right Um, is to really take and i've said this a lot to my clients i want you to really go throughout your day and maybe even set your timer on your watch or on your phone maybe once an hour you check in on yourself right if That's you're at good. work, wherever you are, just take a moment and go, how am I feeling right now, right? And yeah. how does how I'm feeling correspond to what I'm thinking right now? Because yeah. we don't pay attention. Everything runs kind of for most of us in the background on, on autopilot, right? And I think a big part of this work, personal work, is to really become aware and catch those thoughts. And then do yes. the, well, what can I do now? What 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 else can I introduce here? A new thought that feels a little bit better and then a little bit better and a little bit better.
1: Yes. That's exactly what I do with my clients. I get them to set an alarm, checking in three times a day on their phone and it pops up. Where is my nervous system activated? And so we have those because the three parts have their, their separate names. They're kind of like technical names or whatever, but I have my clients learn those names then learn how the vagus nerve works and know where their nervous system is activated at any given time. It's critical in living in the end.
0: Yeah absolutely so living in the end big neville thing um how does that work in terms of your your thoughts on this when let's say i come to you with a specific person issue right um melissa i want this x back or i have my eye on this person and i don't know what to do and i want to manifest them uh living in the end neville walk me through it a little bit what well how do i live in the end most effectively what what do i have to do is it just visualizing is it scripting is it a Uh, a combination of those things? How do I achieve that mindset?
1: Living in the end is a regulated nervous system. So living in the end is being activated up here most of the time. So that means that we've worked through our anxieties, we've worked through our fears and our doubts, and we're able to generally stay there. We can still drop down, but we can come back up quite easily. Now, if someone's like, I really want to manifest this person, how do I live in the end? I'd first be like, Why do you want to manifest this person? What is it about this person that really has got you? And that's where we're going to probably find some attachment issues. And that's where we're going to find some attachment traumas. And then we have to go in and heal that. You know what? I can easily help somebody manifest anyone that's mm-hmm. easy oftentimes when you do the healing that person that you wanted so bad isn't even that great anymore afterwards
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely yes i say that a lot yeah. not a lot of people want to hear it but I say it's absolutely <laughs> they don't true want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. well you you no. get to a point where you go i can do better oh i can do better than this because i think for a lot of people up to that point they think that's the best that they've ever been able to do Right. Yeah. The best kind of relationship they've ever been able to attract. And why would I how could I possibly do better than that? Right? Yeah. But once you learn that you can, then it's like the all the doors pop open. And I always tell people you'll be surprised how many people crawl out of the walls. And that's happened to me in my experience. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I get to a point of feeling more confident and and really working on that part of myself. And then realizing, well, why why that person? Right. I mean, that's nice. I like that person. I love that person, whatever it is. But man, look at all these other things, these other doors. What's behind door B? What's behind door C? Right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: I think sometimes I see resistance towards that too because people want to be attached to the, you know, it's like uh, Abraham says too, uh, being in love with the feeling of being in love. I think there's a, there's a something, Mm. there's another version of that, which is being obsessed with the idea of being obsessed. I think we touched about on this a little bit earlier that people are afraid to let go of that person because. It feels empty then, right? It feels like what, what's going to take their place? In my, what obsession is going to... It's almost to the point of where they do finally manifest that person. They kind of sabotage themselves a little bit. Sort of just just as they're crossing that bridge, they're almost to yeah. the other side, and then yeah. they turn back or they jump off the bridge, right? Or th- there's yeah. a sort of something going on where they they're afraid almost of not having that feeling. As a psychologist, do you think mm-hmm. that the brain... Is gets addicted to certain uh, emotions. In other words, the body pushes chemicals related to certain emotions, fear, uh, elation, joy, uh, anxiety, uh, depression, sadness, that the brain sort of becomes addicted to certain chemicals that are associated with those emotions in the body. Does that make sense, the question?
1: For sure. There are psychologists who believe absolutely, like the holistic psychologist, do you know who that is on Instagram?
0: Uh, no, I don't.
1: Okay. She's a pretty big psychologist. She believes in that. Okay. I personally think that saying that we're addicted to emotions can be quite limiting Mm -hmm. and um, it can make people feel like they're trapped and stuck. Uh I don't think that we get addicted to emotions, but we do have neural pathways in our brain that every time a thought gets thunk, it goes through the same pathway. And those pathways, the way I was described, it was described to me in school, was those pathways are like tractor tracks in a hayfield. And every time the tractor goes over, it gets more and more pushed down, more and more ingrained. Sure. So it gets ingrained in there. But I don't think that it's an addiction as much as it's like it gets used a lot. And so with. Use comes more
0: use. So. It's the easier path to follow, then, isn't it? It's the more familiar path.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Seems less dangerous. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, even if it is more dangerous, it seems less dangerous.
0: Yeah. So there's an anxiety associated with with even getting what you want that there's a danger involved in that. I think maybe mm-hmm. maybe the idea of pushing the comfort zone is something that's that's that makes more sense to use that, that we become comfortable in a mm-hmm. certain zone, a certain emotional zone. And that the new mm-hmm. zone that we're pushing out to is uncomfortable at least for a while, right? Mhm. Yeah. This is think, really
1: good stuff. You have this, some really amazing thoughts. I like well, I like that. Well, I with think you. I <laughs> think
0: way too much about these things sometimes.
1: Yeah, this is I
0: really awesome. try to do, you know, I try to I mean, who am I? I like to think of myself really more as a journalist, a reporter than a a coach or a guru really it's interesting to have gotten into this kind of into this coach uh, slot that people wanted me to do that right i wanted to really do more of this kind of thing interview people like you
1: Mm. and experts
0: in other fields and really figure out what's going on and have everybody kind of bring their ideas so this is wonderful for that but i think about this stuff a lot and i think maybe Maybe my life so far has afforded me the ability to do that. Even as a child, I was always kind of a daydreamer, and always very interested in how people tick and how I tick, right? So mm. this is something that fascinates me. So I, I guess I'm nerding out too a little bit.
1: <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> Good.
0: <laughs> so a lot of times, you know, okay. So they, let's say they come to you, Melissa. Melissa, I don't know. Um, can I really do this? Is this really possible? Um, you know, I, I got, I manifested a contact from them, but then, but then, you know, uh, uh, what if something bad happens? What if there was somebody else, right? This is a big one I get actually. Well, they're seeing somebody else. They're married to somebody else. And I did a video on that a while back. It got the most views out of video, any other video before or since. Um, that's something people really want to know about. Now we talked a little bit about free will, um, and how that isn't a thing really. So what is, how does that, how does somebody manifest a person? Who is married who is in a relationship already Um, people feel guilty about that
1: yeah i mean you manifest it the same way that you manifest anyone else it's the same thing and having manifested a third party involved is just a result of Mm self-worth so those self-worth beliefs need to be uncovered and undone before a person can really manifest their person but if somebody has decided that they want to manifest a married person or a person who's in a relationship, I would ask why. Mm-hmm. And that would probably lead to attachment issues where they are trying to feel like the chosen one. They, they need to feel chosen in a third party situation and uh, yeah, getting chosen by your person is not the way to heal that wound. mm
0: mm-hmm. Oh, that you know that's interesting that's an interesting angle on that because it's a competition at that point right it's sort of like so i want to be the winner here i want yeah. to be the one with the gold medal not yeah. the silver medal <laughs> Yeah. right not yeah. the platinum i want to be on that top podium i'm the winner i'm the champion
1: yeah ah. yeah and then it'll heal something that happened to them when they were younger right, they think right. but it won't <laughs>
0: so is it possible then in your view to to unmanifest that that relation this is kind of what people talk to me about right how do i get rid of that third person it's not even a matter of them how do i just get rid of i want them out of the picture right they'll feel bad about that but really what they're saying is you know do i have to manifest them breaking up do i have to manifest the uh you know uh something happening to them which we hope that's not really how we're trying to encourage people to do things but you know in in the most practical sense i mean people just kind of want to go just tell me right now how to get rid of that third party and i want to be with that person uh does it even work is it possible am i violating anybody's free will so to speak Hmm. what's the answer
1: Yes, you can absolutely manifest that person. You're not violating anybody's free will. It is all very doable. There's, you just take the exact same steps you would take to manifest anybody and you work on self-worth issues that have come up that are there that are making you want to manifest somebody who have, who's already in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I would say to that person, we need to understand why you're doing this first. That would be my primary focus because I can tell you right now, you can manifest that person in, but it's not going to heal the wound that you're trying to make feel better. And you're still going to have that wound and you may or may not keep this person, but this wound is going to play itself out over and over and over again until you heal it. So what I would say to the person is we're healing it. We're doing that first before we're manifesting your person. We're healing the wound.
0: Because that's probably going to repeat itself in other relationships with other people as well, right?
1: Absolutely. You got to
0: get to the source. Yeah. 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 yeah that's. Just...
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's just a sign that something more is there. When somebody's trying to manifest a third party, there's some real self worth stuff that needs to be done before they move forward. It's like leveling up in a video game. Mm-hmm. It's like you can manifest that person it's not going to be what you thought it would be. It's not going to heal what you think it's going to heal. You're not even conscious of this. Like most people aren't even conscious that they're trying to heal a wound, but it's not going to give you what you want. And so for people to begin to understand that on a subconscious level, they are needing so much more than the person to leave their wife or whatever's going on.
0: Hmm, and it, it can be disappointing then you manifest that person and it's like you said is that really the prize right is that person i mean you're manifesting not just this wonderful aspect of them you're manifesting a relationship right I, I tell people that too what do you really want here do you want just contact do you want them to shower you with attention do you want them to be obsessed over you right do they want them to fawn over you do you want to yeah. marry them? Do you want to have children with them? Because that means something completely different, right? Yeah. Uh, do you want to date them loosely? Uh, you know, if you're talking about marriage, you, you want to have children with them. You, you're going to share a household. You're going to share your finances. You're going to share the raising of children. That comes with a whole lot of other stuff attached to it, right? Is that the person, right? And if it's somebody that you've been with already, maybe you know them a little bit better than if it's somebody that's new to you that you spotted in a coffee shop or something. But, but you know, I I ask people to really think about that because I think a lot of living in the end comes down to that. If you're really adopting the mindset of somebody who has what it is that you want, A, like we said already, getting clear on what that is exactly, what it is you want is important, but then what? right? How does, it, how does an average day kind of play out for you, right? Uh, yeah. I think one of the best things, and this was a Neville-inspired visualization, I think, is to visualize that person in the next room doing something that they love. doesn't even yeah. have to involve you necessarily, right? But that they are always within dancing distance. In other words, you can easily go up to them and dance with them if you wanted to, but they're doing something they love, right? And they're within dancing distance. And that's how a relationship feels like to me, I mean, in my yeah. relationship, you know, my girlfriend will, well, I might come into the next room and she's on her phone or she's doing something, uh, reading something or watching something. And it's enough for me to know, well, that, that's how a relationship feels, really. I think yeah. in the natural sense, you're two people, right? Yeah. Sharing a space <laughs> and yeah. even a psychic space, so to speak. Uh, but I think a lot of people don't think in those terms when they really, really want to manifest a specific person. They don't take it to that level, right? What is that? I mean, we're talking twenty years down the road, thirty years down the road. Things are gonna change, you're gonna change. So to really get into the into that end result, right? Being somebody that is living this. And again, we're talking about quantum stuff, and I'm talking a little too much. I want to get your opinion on this, but the idea that there are versions of you already living this right now, right? Yes. That so there's a version of you already in that relationship with that person. Tapping into that, right? Yeah. And, and and this is something that I've heard being done in meditation as well, that you can really tap into psychically that version of yourself and ask them questions. Well, what's your life like? What's your daily routine like? Right? Because most relationships are kind of mundane. They're kind yeah. of boring sometimes, right?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you were saying, people feel guilty about trying to come and manifest a third party and I think that once they get that mundane life, they probably would feel guilty about it. Like they probably, it wouldn't be what they thought it was going to be. It was supposed to not on a conscious level. Do they think this on a subconscious level, it's supposed to be everything it's going to heal and fix everything they've ever been through. Mm-hmm. That's not the reality of what's going to happen. Yeah. So Really, if you just heal and fix what you've been through on your own, you don't have to go down this route of having to get into a relationship where there is a third party and where you have to worry about guilt and where you have, you know, because yeah. where you're headed is that mundane life, like you're saying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's got
1: to be with the right person or else.
0: Well,
1: it's yeah. got to be with the right
0: person. And you have to be okay with that because, you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't always feel so different from being single or alone, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know when you're so used to somebody, right? That they almost become another kind of part of you in a sense, right? Sort of, sort of an extension of your space or whatever, wherever you happen to be. That you know, my girlfriend fits into this situation here. You know, sitting there doing that thing, or us doing certain things together. She's there, right? Yeah. We share certain activities, and that just becomes part of the mise en scene. You know, the 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 set, right? Like the uh, yeah. I like to think of my life as a movie set sometimes because uh, I'm really into movies and film. But uh, yeah. that's that's an interesting way that I sometimes think about it. You know, living in the end, oh, I'm just an actor in my little story here. So how would I act, mm-hmm. right? If I were an mm-hmm. actor, let's really get into the character, right? But that's of awesome. course, even movies don't have those. You know, they don't have the actor going to the toilet necessarily, or the the character doing you know those things, right? Or, uh, let's let's discuss the phone bill today, right? Who's gonna yeah. did you pay that? right yeah i mean that's uh that's people think they want to be rescued from i think uh from boredom a lot of times mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. think that that's that person that money you know this thing that flashy car is going to rescue me from my own boredom but it's like you have to live with yourself ultimately in the end right you're yeah. the person that you're going to have to get up with every day and go to bed with every day right?
1: yeah Yeah. If
0: you can achieve being excited just about that, then you can integrate that into a relationship with somebody else.
1: Yeah. And that's why the healing is so important to going back and doing the uncovering of those younger year traumas, just because you do have to live with yourself and that living in the end, living in that end result is going to be so much more satisfying when all of that stuff is cleared away and you're not causing drama in your life for no reason Mm
0: -hmm. yeah drama is another thing that some people like very much
1: yeah (laughs) they don't feel alive yeah and it's them playing out their traumas
0: yeah Yeah.
1: drama is just playing out traumas
0: (laughs) so but we are not ultimately i mean we're not doomed to live out those traumas forever i mean this is this is obviously the message here too, right? In your practice. Yeah. I mean, we can get over it. We can get past it. And we're not doomed to live out our parents' relationships either, are we? Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We can definitely imagine our life into exactly how we want it to be. And that is so, so doable. But we just have to clear the baggage and the junk first.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, this is wonderful. I don't know how much time you have left. Um, how long have we been talking? Now? A little bit over an hour. You are you're, yeah, a, you're a great I'm guest. Good. Yeah,
1: this has been so much fun. We should do yeah. this again. I would love to do this with you again. I think
0: we should have a part two for sure because I think there's so okay. much stuff to cover. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, and and of course we have so many. You know, th- most of the people on my channel want a specific person back. But I know the people there are other people that want to talk about money. Do you get a lot of clients that come to you with different issues as well? Manifesting, yeah. but once they kind of discover that you're you're into the manifesting stuff. Um, yeah. cause I see that as a relationship as well, right? That's a relate. Yep. it's like, we have a relationship with everything in our life, including money. Right. Yeah. 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 I grew exactly. up, I grew up with a single mom, the first half of my childhood who was mm-hmm. always worried about money. Right. Mm-hmm. Second half of my childhood, we were pretty, pretty okay. Right. And doing well now, but I still see that in my mother, this, this kind of, mm, when's the other shoe going to drop? you know she has she had practiced that way of looking at things for so long
1: yeah
0: that's very difficult to get out of your head and i would say you know, it's a relationship that you have built with this idea of money right it's if you look at money as a person it, it all kinds of tie, it ties in right whatever it is yeah. that you it, want
1: manifesting is manifesting for exactly sure. <laughs> catch the feeling of the wish fulfilled and you've got your desire
0: yeah absolutely all yeah. right well I think for now, we'll call this part one, and we're going to do a part okay. two very soon. I think this has been yeah. great. Yeah. That good. So tell everyone real quick, how do they get in touch with you for your yeah, services? Yeah, so just
1: head over to attachmentrecovery.com, and you can enter your email address and get my guide on attachment trauma, and we can stay in touch that way. I'm also on Instagram and YouTube, so currently, my name is Attachment Recovery on both Instagram and YouTube, okay. but... I think I'm going to change it to my actual name, Melissa Basie.
0: And real quick, people yeah. who don't, you're in Canada, is that right? I'm uh, in Canada, people,
1: yeah.
0: People who are in India or in Europe or or in the United States, you do remote, you uh, remotely? Yep. Okay, so they can absolutely. do Zoom with you and that kind of thing or phone yeah. sessions. Okay, wonderful. Sessions. Yep. Yeah. All right, Melissa. Well, thank you very much.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We'll see you for part two.
1: Okay, that sounds great. Thank you. Excellent. Right. Bye.
0: Bye.